HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Do you ever have brain fog and need a pick-me-up? Magic Mind is a cool new productivity drink with a mix of 12 functional ingredients that make you focus and help you fight off stress. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. It's Tuesday, February 15th, 2022, and we're in the middle of Craft Malt Conference Month. Just turned out that every show in February, we're doing a Craft Malt-themed show. Um, so this one is, a, is the intersection of, like, sail freight and floor malting and the Hudson River Valley. So let's go around the room and uh, everyone introduce themselves. Start with Dennis. Hey, y'all. It's Dennis Nessel. I'm here with my wife, Jeanette. We're Hudson Valley Malt, and uh, they call me the Germinator. <laughs> and you're in Germantown. And may, may we hear uh, Jeanette as well? Yes, so we how her. are you? I'm I'm Jeanette, also co-founder of Hudson Valley Malt in Germantown, New York. Amazing voice. You're great. Um, Mike, our <laughs> brewer. Yeah, hi. I'm Michael Ranganeski. I'm the brewmaster and co-owner at Hudson Valley Brewery. Here. Great, man. Welcome back. We had, we had John a long time ago when we were first talking about the Hudson Valley. So congrats. Yeah. And our, our skipper, the boat guy. Hello, everyone. Uh, Sam Merritt here. Uh, odd man out. I'm a, you know, I work on the water. I'm captain of a schooner and we actually sail up and down the Hudson River, um, delivering uh, delicious Hudson Valley malt to various breweries, including Hudson Valley Brewery. All right. So a little over a year ago, people were concerned there weren't any more stories uh, about real beer and, and good beer and ingredients and flavor and everything. And you guys came up with this little sail freight project. Um, why don't we have Dennis to tell us about how you got involved? Because what's interesting to me is what you're actually shipping in a boat down the Hudson River. Well, I got involved. Um, this is Dennis, everybody. Um, I got involved uh, with the sail freight because this guy, Sam, who you're going to hear talking today, Captain Sam, I call him, was freaking relentless in uh, calling me and showing up at the malt house and talking about his idea of shipping malt to Rivertown breweries up and down the Hudson River. It was right when COVID was breaking and I really was uh, we were surrounding the wagons here, you know, trying to see how we we're going to work through this. And uh, this guy just kept calling and coming here. And uh, and I just really, right, Sam, I really wasn't receptive at first um, because <laughs> I was a little busy. And, and the brewers were, of course, um, nobody knew what was up. So I thought it was great, but but any, nothing that I could be part of. Uh, um, but then a friend of Sam's called me uh, John Bowermaster and said, come on, Dennis, wouldn't it be great to be part of something good right now with all this shit going on? Something so tell, good. Tell us what, what, what it was though. Like there's a boat and you're a maltster. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the idea that Sam had, I can still picture him standing in, you know, in, in front of the malt house <laughs> telling me about this, um, is that he's got a sailboat, a 65 foot schooner, and it's in Hudson, which is just seven miles from the malt house. And he wants to ship uh, 
freight up and down the Hudson River on the sailboat. And um, I didn't think he was crazy. I just thought, you know, because people think I'm crazy. So, uh, you know, because we make malt old school, right? But I, I certainly <laughs> didn't think he was crazy. I just didn't have the time for it. But um, so to make a long story short, we got involved with it. And I'm I just a joy to work with Captain Sam and, and bringing our malt our local grains to breweries up and down the Hudson River from Hudson, New York, all the way to, to, uh, to river towns like, you know, to Mike and Beacon and right, right on down through uh, Poughkeepsie, Beacon, Newburgh, Ossining, Buchanan, right? Queens, Long Island City, uh, Brooklyn, Manhattan. Um, it was just, uh, it just made sense for us to, to, to be part of this wonderful way of shipping malt um absolutely uh enjoy it love it it's, it's been quite a sensation and uh i think in may i, I met your, you guys at the dock in uh south street seaport so sam again uh why did you go for malt way back then i mean i know you shipped things like logs with mushrooms on them and pumpkins but how did you think about why why did you think that malt would be a good cargo well, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm really interested in connecting the Hudson Valley, right? And in working with different people to move things throughout the Hudson Valley and, and making the water and the Hudson River the focal um, sort of connection, the the sort of super highway that it once was through this region, make it relevant again. And I have to say malt jumped out at me for a number of reasons, but it's, it's awesome because it's directly supporting local farmers who are growing a product. And I will admit that part of what I wanted to do, right, like is come up with a model that could actually work. And the more I started looking into various products, I was amazed by how many breweries there were that were close to the water. So not only was Dennis seven miles away in Germantown, so that was very exciting. Um, and that made it really like a, a very logical connection. But all of a sudden, when I started thinking about all the places the malt goes, we could actually connect them. I had been approached actually by a number of people who wanted us to ship things. But it was often we would, you know, sail it down the Hudson River and then we'd have to meet a truck that would drive it two hours away to where it was going. And that that didn't really feel like it was creating a model that I was too excited about. And so we've worked hard to create a model that uh, takes as much of the trucks and the uh, the emissions and the transportation and the congestion and all those other things out of it. And the trick with that is to get the boat as close as possible to, to the products that we're loading and then also to the people who need them. And, you know, by no means is this a perfect model. We are we are actively trying to figure it out and work it out. But the malt has been um, a wonderful partnership. It's been really fun and it's grown. And uh, I look forward to it continuing to grow this season. Great. And let's go to Mike, the brewer. So, Mike, first, I want to catch up with you because the last time we talked was probably 2015. We did the yeah. Hudson new, new Primitives and you guys were just put, making your mark. Um, congrats. and. Um, you, tell us a little bit about Hudson Valley Brewery because I've never interviewed you since then. Yeah, sure. Thanks, man. I mean, we uh, I feel like we were having the seed of this conversation six or seven years ago in, in that one. But uh, since we've, me and my partner Jason and John Anthony have opened up Hudson Valley Brewery in Beacon. Uh, we're a 30 barrel brew house. We're doing like maybe 5,000 barrels a year. Uh, we focus primarily on, on sour beer um, with like fruit heavy sour IPAs and then uh, a local mixed culture sour farmhouse program. Um, so yeah, now we're, we're open in Beacon and we've got a second location as a, as a barrel kind of wild fermentation space in Poughkeepsie. And yeah, things are rolling, man. Everything's going really well over at the brewery. Great. And then at, at what point did you, did you get involved? Uh, with the sale freight, because Dennis said, if you're looking to invite brewers who are great supporters of our craft craft malt grain supply chain, uh, then you got to talk to Mike at Hudson Valley Brewery. Yeah, thanks, Dennis. Um, yeah, thank you. I, I got a call from Sam out of the blue, and it was kind of really perfect serendipitous timing. You know, me and Dennis have been working together for a really long time. Uh, we met right, Dennis, at like a malting school probably yeah. like 2013 or something upstate at, at the farmhouse brewery you and i um, are in the same class yeah 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 we were, we were Mar Marty Matrazo? 
Yeah, exactly. Bill Marty. Wow. Um, yeah, and at the time I was thinking about like, oh, it would be cool. We can grow grain. We can malt it. We can we can make this whole. This is at Bacchus Brewery in New Paltz. Like, make this whole small scale, um, enclosed, encapsulated little brewery from start to finish. And that didn't pan out exactly, but you know we've been using Dennis's malt ever since he ever since he started. Um, and when Sam called me, we were right in the process of making all of our uh, Hudson Valley Sour Farmhouse beers, 100% New York beers, and really incorporating a lot more of Dennis's stuff into the rest of our beers too. And also spending a lot of energy on our, you know, energy usage, our recycling programs, just our, our kind of waste management and, and byproducts of our production. And so when Sam called me, he was like, hey, I want to sail this grain down to you from Dennis and then get on a couple of e-powered bicycles and ride it up the hill to the brewery. I mean, it was kind of a no-brainer. Um, so we were able to to make at least one full beer now that's, uh, you know, exclusively with this kind of like eco-orientation from start to finish where Dennis is you know, malting on his floor. It's sailed down the, the super highway of the Hudson River, piked to the brewery, and then, you know, turned into beer. Um, so you guys, like, it's, I think when we, I first talked with Sam and Dennis, like, over a year ago, we were talking about trying to identify as a boat project, but you just said eco. Um, yeah. Sam, how, how's it going for you? Is, is that really, what is becoming the identity uh, of your project because like again mike just said eco and that kind of resonated with me more than barley boat beer that i was trying to <laughs> make you use last year well and it's interesting i i like that mike said that and uh certainly none of this is rehearsed but um we uh we yeah we absolutely like the theme for us has been connecting the hudson valley and weaving it together right and creating this sort of like sustainable network. And so it is true that like, I, I was hesitant, Jimmy, not because I don't love this malt connection, but I didn't want to peg it as, you know, just the, the beer boat, because honestly, we haul a number of different cargos. But that said, like genuinely malt has become a backbone of our operation. And I think it's partly because there are so many brewers like Mike, who care a lot about where the ingredients come from and care a lot about the Hudson Valley, right? Like, like it's, it's part of what we're trying to do is convince people that they want to get things as local as possible. Right. And with the breweries, that's almost like, like that work is already done. They're already trying to get everything local. They're already like very interested in supporting the economy around here. And so we're just giving them yet another way that they can, can take like sort of one deeper dive into really understanding the local ecosystem, connecting people with the Hudson Valley. And then also, uh, and so, yeah, I think of it as we're creating an ecosystem and I don't know if that's where eco comes from for Mike, but I, I love that he uses that word. <laughs> no, that's great. And let's yeah, bring exactly. Jeanette, cause totally. Jeanette, you know, um, tell us your take on all this well uh it's funny that you said we need another you were referencing another beer story because people were not sure if they've heard everything yet so um i i believe that sam captain sam has i wouldn't use the word relentless i would use the word passionate <laughs> and i think he has brought so much highlight to what this project is all about. And I think it's an educational project. I, there are so many people that besides the media and the exposure that this project has given that we talked to when we visited the West Coast this summer and we were talking about this project to some other maltsters and other brewers out there and they were fascinated. I mean, think about it. We're probably one of, uh, Captain Sam, you're probably what, the only one right now in the world doing it? So you are really raising the bar on sustainability as far as the brewing industry goes. And it's wonderful. What a great thing to talk about. I was talking to a friend, uh, an ex, a friend in the media that I used to be involved with, and she, I was trying to explain to her why Captain Sam was um, delivering via a bike across this very long bridge in the Hudson Valley. And she's, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, uh, her name is Patty Quinn. And she's like, wait, what did you just say? He's delivering what? 
And it just makes people, it gets people engaged in a whole new conversation on our industry. Okay. Well, let's talk about how local the malt is and, and how this, why this makes so much sense. Um, who wants to talk about, besides Hudson Valley Brewery, mention a few of the other breweries and perhaps a favorite beer that you had uh, that was made with the uh, sale freight malt. Um, Sam? Is it, was was there one that became a go-to or anything? Well, it's uh, yeah. So I can quickly give some shout-outs. I mean, we've worked with uh, fourteen or it might be fifteen at this point different breweries, um, but there are certainly some that sort of stand out as our consistent partners. And so I always think of it as sort of a corridor sailing down the Hudson River because that's just how my brain works. But um, but genuinely, uh, our first stop is usually in Poughkeepsie, and we often see Jamie Bishop at Millhouse. Um, and, uh, the Millhouse light is an awesome beer. Um, and, uh, and that's like that, that is at many times has been the standard beer on the boat just cause it's such a nice, easy end of the day kind of, kind of beer. And also, uh, it's really, uh, committed to, to local sustainable products. So everyone gets, gets excited about that. I've, I've handed out Millhouse lights to other boaters as we were sailing past, Early in the season for us, there's a lot of fishermen out. We've done like hysterical, you know, sort of like antics where we're sailing past and there's like a fisherman and we're like chuck a beer into their boat for them. And so, so we've, we've really distributed that beer because we get it in Poughkeepsie. So we sort of get it right away. Um, but yeah, then, then usually our next stop is going to be coming down to Beacon. And um, every run last season, we worked with Hudson Valley Brewing. And uh, as Jeanette mentioned, sometimes it was easier than other times, but we're, we're committed to making this work. The, the first run uh, we went there last year, um, we couldn't actually get dockage on the correct uh, shore of the Hudson River, so we had to um, tie up on the uh, on the Newburgh side, not the Beacon side, and actually ride all the stuff across the bridge with the bike. But we got it there nonetheless, and it was a wonderful way to to make a splash <laughs> and sort of get get uh, get people's attention. And and we've been working consistently with Hudson Valley ever since then, so that's been that's been just a real pleasure. Um, as we keep sailing down the river. Um, there's a number of other brewers we've worked with once or twice, but every single time we've stopped at Sing Sing Kill and Ossining. And so I always like to give a real strong um, shout out to those guys. They actually started working with us. Um, they're the, one of the first breweries to get on board back in October of uh, 2020. And they, since then, have received all of their malt by sale freight. So that's, you know, and they're a smaller um, scale operation. So, you know, not every brewery can do that. And for a lot of breweries, like with Hudson Valley, we focus on a specific beer where we can we can really make an impact. But um, but Sing Sing Kill, it's a pretty pretty uh, dedicated operation there right in Wait, Austin. So every, every beer they've made since then has used the malt? Yeah, all of the malt uh, that has been delivered since October 2020 has come from us to that brewery. I mean, you know, That's I guess amazing. to be honest, I don't know if it's possible they're they're running around on Dennis and getting malt from anywhere else. But uh, I know that for Dennis's malt, <laughs> that's the story. <laughs> and well, I, I will you know, say, I, with the, the, during, I'm gonna say during COVID in particular, this just stood out as such a hopeful uh, story, not only about the whole like little ecosystem uh, of beer and other products, but also just how how local malt is such an important part of the entire like you know farm the table to glass economy um dennis you want to take that like let's just do some of the basics of local malt because this is also like the, the craft malt conferences coming up i know that floor malting has its own seminar at the craft malt conference so let's talk about you guys why did you get started in this and why did you do floor malting right. and take us through the, the the main steps like you soak you bud and you toast <laughs> what kind soak. of industry is this <laughs> i love i love you jimmy soak bud and toast yep that's it in a nutshell <laughs> so, so um so you want me to give you a strong case for what it is that we do and why do we do it and how do we do it right yeah. so so basically you're say no more <laughs> i say say no more because you didn't ask me what beer i was drinking <laughs> So Jeanette's actually drinking Say No More, which is what, oh. yep, which is from Hudson Valley Brewery. Love a lager. And um, I started with Bespoke, which is their hoppy, Hudson Valley Brewery's um, hoppy Saison. Right, Mike? Did I say that right? You got it, man. You guys got hooked up with some beers, it sounds like. That's right. Jamal <laughs> set us up. Um, but I'm done. I'm done with that little tiny bottle, Mike. And I opened up. I have a, yeah. I have a Valley beer that was bottled in the fall of 2020 that I opened. 
for this oh, nice. podcast tonight. Yes. Um, so it, uh, you know, I, I just, I love this bottle and I love the fact that you, um, have made a commitment and that it, you're on a mission. Uh, like you said earlier, um, guys, I'm telling you, this guy, Mike is on a mission to, uh, to leave a small footprint as possible and uh using local so grains. what's that beer then that's saying no more so on the second one i'm on valley beer which is their it's basically uh their hudson valley sour farmhouse um ale um which has got mike's and it's got all our ingredients in it it's got our wheat from john kukan who grows it in germantown just uh, five miles away and our germantown pills uh pilsner malt which is um which is something that mike likes to use um or Mike, tell them a little bit more about it. Well, wait a minute. I just know minute. it tastes good. Wait a minute. Hold on <laughs> a second. Um, uh, Dennis, I know you're on your second beer, but Jimmy was asking about the process of germination. Okay. <laughs> All right. So thanks for reeling me back. Yeah, we'll circle so, back to that. So look, this is why we get along so well with Sam, because my colleagues that make malt across the country that don't, that don't rake it like we do, that don't that are using um, more modern ways of making malt. They make amazing malts. And a lot of them bust my chops and they call us crazy for making malt this old school way where we germinate it in tanks and then we then we we lay it out on the floor. Excuse me, we sleep it in the tanks, we germinate it on the floor, we rake it with a rake. And if, if you don't know what that is, come to our Instagram page, Hudson Valley Malt, and you'll see us running a rake through it. What the rake does, it in, introduces oxygen so that the germinating grain can, can grow and live for five days because it's really the germination of the grain that breaks down the plant's protein into the enzyme that the brewer needs to convert the starch to sugar. <gasps> you got me? <laughs> so that was, the soak is the steep is would you say germination is budding because I, I couldn't quite think of a, of a other way to describe germination <laughs> okay look at it this way bud um you saw what i did there bud yeah i got it okay. yeah, you got it <laughs> we steep it right to hydrate the grain remember when we were in grade school and we were given a little dixie cup and we may had a little soil in it we put a maybe we the teacher gave us a bean and we put that in there and then we put some water in there and they put it up on the on the uh, windowsill. And then a couple of days later, right, we had a little bud, right? And we thought as kids, we thought that that was like magic, right? Do you remember that, Jimmy? Yeah, now, now I'm picturing it. Thank you. Okay. So when we're kids, we look at that and we say, well, wow, that, that's a miracle. But really what's happening is every seed Every seed is protein. The makeup is protein, starch, and a dormant embryo. You soak it in water, as you say, soak. We call it steep, but soak is good. You soak it, it hydrates, it imbibes, it uptakes water until the DNA of the seed says, hey, I got to sprout, okay? So then it starts to put out little rootlets in search of more moisture and nutrients. It's at that point after we steep it that we put it on the floor with a gazillion of its other buddies that are also moist at a six inch layer and it starts to germinate, starts to grow. As the plant grows, it breaks down its own protein into the enzyme, okay? When it reaches the desirable point where the maltster says, hey, we don't want this to grow too far because then it becomes a plant. We don't want a plant, right? So four or five days of germination, then we put it in the kiln, which is high velocity air, low temperature, 122 degrees Fahrenheit, and we drive off all of that water that we needed to get it to germinate in the first place. But we arrest the growth right there at the desirable point where now instead of protein and starch, we have enzyme and starch. And that's what the brewer needs. He makes a grist. He puts it in warm water, right? In the warm water, the enzyme and the starch are soluble. They marry and create sugar. I mean, that's the simple thing. That's basically my little nickel tour when you, when you come here. Amazing. <laughs> well, that's a good start because I was actually reading to prep for this. Jeff Allworth, our great writer friend from Beervana blog, he, he's the reason I know the word steeping, germination, and kilning. And um, his is a little more like 
academic and thoughtful because Jeff's the best beer writer I know. He goes, barley goes through three or four stages of preparation, steeping, germination, kilning, and in some cases, roasting. So, um, but then the, the floor malt part, you know, for, for like, let's go back to Mike. So you as a, a brewer, how important is the floor malting? Like, could we do local malt, but in like a machine, like a magic machine? Um, yeah, I think you could. Um, and you know, we use all its magic. It would lose some magic (laughs) though. Right. Um, so the way I see it is like, there's a lot of fun and excitement in doing things kind of the hard way, you know, and there's a lot of ease and convenience everywhere else in the world. It seems like to do it a different way. You know, um, we can buy our grain cheaper from Iowa. We can, um, get a truck to your faster with a, a Mack truck, right? But to be able to go through these very simple and kind of beautiful processes with Dennis through Sam to me is like more important than any of it, you know? So if we're paying a little more, taking a little more time, it's it's awesome. Um, the reason I work with Dennis is in so much of the floor malt, and although I think he'd argue that that's probably not only the magic, but like the the identity and the flavor of, of his grains, but it's really, you know, kind of in Sam's point of view and in his line of thinking is like to make that connection to a, a bigger community. So I can go to Dennis's house, smell this wet grain on the floor, watch it germinate, you know, imagine the, the conversion to starch. I take it back to where I work and make sugar out of it. I add a little bit of yeast and I wait. And all of a sudden I've got a bottle of Valley beer sitting next to me. That's been, like in my world, in, in the world of that drinker in the Hudson Valley for its whole life, you know? Um, and I love it. I, I geek out about that and I I'm passionate and I, I live it, you know, and my hope if, if any in that, in the beer world is like, and I see it every day too, people are stoked about it, but you know, one day, like everybody will have to go see Dennis and be like, Oh, that was cool. Yeah. Now I really get it. And, and there's a new sort of appreciation and a new sort of uh, energy in that beer product, you know, because ultimately, like, you know, we're not talking about just drinking beer anymore. We're not talking about alcohol necessarily. We're talking about like a a culinary hobby and a culinary passion that you can explore indefinitely. So to have these kind of um, just partners in how we produce our product is is just so much more fun than anything else. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, and even if you're cooking or something, often a little extra, you know, elbow grease, a little hard work. Sometimes you you get a little more flavor out of things too, don't you? Yeah. You know, if you got a garden and you're growing the tomatoes for your sauce, you're, you're going to love that sauce. (laughs) Or if your neighbor's giving them to you, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we've been talking about craft malt all, all month. And about a year ago, you guys were one of the first craft malt episodes we talked about, just with the with the with the boat and and everything. And I feel like I'm just starting to understand it more. Um, you know, back in 2016, I was in your malt house, Dennis, and I remember I think I got to rake for a minute or two. Um, but it, it's it's really amazing, and I don't think that the average person realizes that. And Pete Brown wrote a book a few years ago. It was about the ingredients of beer. And he had said that the average person just thinks that beer is made from chemicals. Um, what, I mean, what do you think that, I don't know, how, how does this all work together for people? Like, I want craft malt beers. I want local malt beers. I want to taste them. Right now I'm drinking Exhibit A, uh, brewing from Massachusetts. They've got a briefcase porter. It's all malts from uh, Valley Malt. And I, I've got it at, you know, cellar temperature like the English and I, I, you know, for me, this is a great beer, and I and I want to like when you know, think about all the struggles of what what to buy. You walk into a store to choose a beer. For me, you know, if there's a some mention of local malts or craft malts, I'm definitely more interested in it. I so, mean, how how have you seen things change, or what 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 do you tell people that that don't really know about this? So so. Uh, what Mike said about about community and about um, yeah he could he could make beer um, using industrial malt, but I think the thing that really the 
the fun part, I mean, by the way, making malt the way we do, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a rough job. <laughs> um, you get calluses on your hand, you're up before the rooster, you know, and, and sometimes you're out there raking it when, where everybody's already home, uh, you're up early. But in 2014, when I first met Mike, I went, you know, I wanted, I had this passion, I think like Sam and I, we really were onto something and Jeanette and I saw we were newbies at this, Jimmy. Um, we we saw that we had this amazing brewing uh, uh, scene in the Hudson Valley. And where we live in Columbia County, we're surrounded by some of the, the best growers, the, the best farmers, hardest working farmers. They would grow it. They would grow barley, even though it's a finicky crop. And we had brewers that would use it, but there was no malt house. So there was no local malt house here. And so Jeanette and I looked at that and we said, well, that, you know, being newbies, we were like, okay, well, why is there not a malt house? So we decided let's connect, let's make the connection. But we were so naive. We didn't realize how tough it is to grow barley. Right. So, so we also didn't realize it was going to be our job, Jimmy, to help build the supply chain and build more growers than just one farmer. So now we have eight amazing growers throughout the state. But back then we only had one and I had relationship with, with that grower and I'm very, very loyal. So I didn't have it with anybody else. And then his crop failed and then we were screwed, but then we ran out and found a bunch of other farmers really fast. And we decided, wow, we have to diversify our growers into the different microclimates throughout New York state. Thank God we're a big state, right? So that, so that the different weather patterns um, are spread out. So we spread out our risk. But what I really want to tell you is that in 2015, there was no beer being made here in the Hudson Valley using Hudson Valley grains. And I feel so proud that we are that we have that we have people like Mike and Hudson and Hudson Valley Brewery that have helped us build something that none of us have ever had before. And that is a malting barley supply chain here in the Hudson Valley of our very own. And when I say very own, that's growers, that's brewers, that's maltsters. Wow. This is, we're off to a great start. And we're going to take a short break and be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. Do you ever have brain fog and need a pick-me-up? I've been trying this new drink in the morning. It looks like wheatgrass and tastes like matcha. It's a magical little elixir called Magic Mind, and it's really helping clear things up. It also helps fight off procrastination, fatigue. We all need that, right? It comes in this small bottle. I shoot it down, and I'm ready to get my day going. If you're like me and need to get a lot of things done in the shortest amount of time, go to magicmind.co slash hrn and use discount code HRN to get 20% off today. Magic Mind is your best choice when it comes to getting more done in less time through the power of the new tropics inside. They even have a money-back guarantee. Any first purchase will be refunded, no questions asked. Again, go to magicmind.co slash HRN and use discount code HRN to get 20% off today. Thanks, Magic Mind. Yeah! All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Thanks for supporting us and become a member at heritageradionetwork.com slash donate. So we're in the middle of, of our craft malt conference month, and uh, we're talking with local maltster from the Hudson Valley Malt in uh, Germantown, New York, and part of the Sail Freight Project. So, Dennis, you just gave us a, a wonderful, passionate little um, take on you know, the challenges and, and why you're such an important pioneer in, in local malt. And then I want to have Sam. So Sam, you're the, the, the boat guy, the sail freight. <laughs> you got such a great response this year in 2021. You got a New York times article. Why don't you give us a shout out to a couple of the people that really helped you out. I know some are on the show, but um, you, you really you made everyone happy in the year of COVID. Thanks for what you did, man. Hey, well, well, you're you're very welcome. And honestly, it's it's really fun to sit here and just get to listen to Dennis and Michael talk about what they do and why they do it. Um, for me, the Hudson Valley is just it's an amazing place. 
um, and there's so much amazing stuff going on. And the part I wanted to get involved in is transportation, right? You have all these um, wonderful products, different producers. And then uh, personally, I just, it, it sort of breaks my heart that the connection between everything is like petroleum powered vehicles on asphalt highways everywhere. And, uh, and also I just want people to connect with the water, right? And so I, I get so excited about the idea that we can add that as a part of the story, right? But, uh, but obviously the story is already there um, and people are there. Uh, we, we, the work that we do, uh, it only works because of our shipping partners, right? If, uh, if Dennis wasn't making an amazing product, if Michael didn't want it, uh, there, there'd be no purpose in us doing what we're doing. Um, we do have quite uh, a team. Um, and this is actually one of the things that I think is so important. Um, it's really important that I like understand what the products are that we haul. And also that the rest of the crew does, right? And so it's not just me. I guess that's what I just wanted to say is there's a crew of us. Uh, it's usually four. Sometimes it's five. On some runs, we've had six crew members. <laughs> it depends on no one wants to feel left out. Sometimes people just hop aboard. Um, and every single one of our crew members has met Dennis and has helped load the malt and understands the farm. And what that means, it means when we make a delivery to one of our breweries, we can we can sort of add that touch. We can we can say how Dennis was feeling or what we heard about the crop or, you know, just kind of like add that part of it. But it really, it, I think it's important because because um, so many people, like, like we're trying to build this connection and build this relationship, right? Um, and so we can all support each other. And, you know, uh, standard shipping kind of does it in this way where it's like, you don't really, you know, it goes into this black box and it just like pops out the other side and maybe there's a truck involved, but, but people don't really know. And so we're trying to just make that whole process really engaging. And so the team, the team is obviously the whole crew. Everyone's involved. Everyone meets people on both ends. Everyone learns about the products that we hauls. Everyone talks to people at waterfronts about it. I mean, when we're unloading a bag of malt, I would, I would say, uh, maybe one in 20 people have any idea what we're actually unloading. So we do a fair amount of, uh, of explaining what malt is and why it's an important uh, ingredient. And like Dennis is saying, how, hey, did you know that you can make beer from grains grown right here in the Hudson Valley? And people at the waterfronts along the Hudson River, they love that, right? Um, but the other person I just have to give a really quick shout out to, if this is a shout out moment, is our own uh, supercargo and my dear friend, Brad Vogel. Um, who has uh, been a huge, huge help in sort of organizing all this? As you can imagine, the the sailing the ship side of it is is lots of work, um, and uh, and is is the heart of what we do. But also, it's it's learning about these connections, making the 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 sort of models and bringing them to life. And Brad has been uh, I know you know him, Jimmy, and uh, and I know Dennis knows him well. Um, and he's he's done a lot to really uh, help make this all happen. I know him on Instagram as at Bowery Bird. <laughs> but I still got to meet him. Um, and then for you, uh, Sam, like just for the little bit of the celebrity dust that you got going on, um, what do you like better, sailing boats or riding intense cargo bicycles up hills? Oh God, uh, definitely the boats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's interesting. Uh, the the bicycles. Well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said that quite as extremely because I will say there's something amazing about the bike, um, and I, I really do love parts of it. But I will admit that to me, um, in my perfect world of the Hudson Valley that I hope to see in the next 10 years, um, there are many small bicycle-powered logistic companies that we work with, and we meet them dockside, and we unload them all, and then they, they bike it up the hill. Um, and only because it's it's not the most efficient thing to do what we do, because um, we actually take up a fair amount of our cargo hold space with the equipment that we use for the delivery. But but obviously we do it because we're passionate about what we do and because we couldn't stand the idea of trucks um, driving through waterfronts to get to docks. Right. Like and so um, I think bikes are an amazing uh, technology just the way boats are. You know, there's there, there's something it's so funny uh, to me. And th this is part of, I think, why floor malting like resonates with me personally so much is it's like. There are all these like fancy new solutions to things that seem like really good, really good ideas, right? And then there's some just like tried and true old school ways that just work. And I have to say, like sailboats, bicycles, and floor malting all go in that category for me, right? It's like bikes are just this wonderfully simple, efficient machine that you can ride from point A to point B. Sailboats, it's like, yeah, I mean, renewable fuels are great and you can power things on all sorts of different stuff, but powering yourself by the wind, like what what a fun thing that is. Um, and then I think honestly, the floor malting does fit in that category to me. It's like, it's this very uh, tactile hands-on. It's like, instead of, you know, I don't even know how industrial malt is made, but I would imagine there's some big machine that's doing that. And I'll tell you as someone who's shown up, who's, who the first time I met, uh, Dennis, he made me rake the stuff. Right. <laughs> and I, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's awesome though. Right. Cause that, that's how you get a sense of the products that we're moving around and who these people are and what this stuff is. And I think that that helps me sort of convey some of that 
um, excitement, some of the passion that Dennis has for his products to the people when we make the delivery on our end. Wow. So for Sam, the next question is going to be, they're going to be like, you like sailing better, riding your bike up hills, or raking a thousand pounds of floor malt? <laughs> well, I have to say that the floor malt is a wonderfully meditative moment, man. It's it's very different. You know, sailing and biking uh, are both things where you're trying to keep track of, you know, a hundred different things, right? There's things in front of your face you got to do. You got to tie this rope off, whatever you got to do, you know, and then you've got to keep track of the big picture. What's happening in the rigging? Is there commercial traffic? Is someone hailing me on the radio? You know, it's kind of this whole situational awareness thing. Bicycling, same thing. Obviously you're work, watching for car doors and red lights and all these little things. And are my tires running low on? And, and I have to say when you're, when you're raking the malt on the floor, it's just like, it was awesome. You're just like zoned out. You're just like thinking about this rake. Like that's a, that's a nice mindset to be in. Yeah. Hey, hey, hold the phone, hold the phone there. So, so I wonder if you want to come down here and have a wonderful meditative moment with me in about a half an hour. In our and Ray, and Ray, <laughs> so tell, what are you doing? Half an hour. Oh, I'm going to be raking that, uh, that piece, Again. That, that malt. Yeah. Before, uh, before the night. So what but is I, it? Tell us what, what, what's the grain? What's the farmer? What, so, what is so, it? Uh, the, uh, we call it a piece. So the batch that's on the floor is called a piece, and it's uh, 6,000 pounds, not 1,000. And um, I am going to attack it tonight in a different way, Sam. <laughs> I am going to have a Zen moment, and I'm going to think of you, and I'm going to say, before I start pulling that rake through with my legs, my back, and my arms, I'm going to say this. This evening, I'm going to make this rake. A wonderful meditative moment, and I'm going to wow. make the best batch ever. <laughs> well, let me get to Jeanette. Jeanette, how do you explain <laughs> this to your friends? Well, and I <laughs> this whole process, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, first of all, I give the Disney tour because I don't drill it down as scientific as Dennis does, but uh, it. it in response to what Captain Sam and Dennis has said about raking the malt, it is a it's a definite live in the moment thing. You are focusing on that, and that's that's about it. You know, it, it. yeah. So it, it's pretty good. How do I explain it? Uh, where Dennis could go on for at least an hour explaining the science <laughs> of it, I do it in five minutes. <laughs> Well, give it to us then. Oh, geez. Okay. Steep, germinate, kiln, sweat, bag. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of like a soak, bud, and toast. Yes. Yeah. But yes. Not really. Yeah. Keep yeah. using that. That's very unique. <laughs> I love I bet it. Jeanette, I just want to just also, when you guys started, like, you know, how, how you, you were more than pioneers. You're doing something that no one was doing. So mm. be, what, separate from tours, I mean, before you had tours, what did you say to people that you knew outside of the beer business, outside of this, about what you guys were doing? Like, how would you describe this new business you guys went into in 2014? Well, being, okay, being in the media industry, when I told them I'm done after 40 years, I'm going to go into agritourism and I'm going to malt, they had no idea what I was talking about. They thought I was out of my mind. Maybe I am. I don't know. But um, we still have people my age come to the malt house and ask, how are the hops? So it is it is a continuous education process. And and once you like Captain Sam had said, once you pull that rake through the grain and the malt, uh, you have a whole new appreciation for what this is all about. And I, I my opinion is I think the malt is more flavorful because of that. Uh, I, I often in my Disney tour, I often talk about how uh, I compare it to. Yes, you can go to a store and buy a frozen apple pie and bring it home and bake it, but you can also go to a farmer's market and buy a freshly baked apple pie. I mean, it's that much of a difference. It's so cool. It's such a rewarding business. And the collaboration in this business is phenomenal. I've never seen anything like it. Wow. So back to Mike. So Mike, uh, Dennis gave a shout out to some of your beers. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I know that you've been kind of on this course of local ingredients for a long time. So when you're working with a, a different malt, what, what are some of the steps you're taking as a brewer? Like, how do you figure out, like, you have a sense of what that malt's going to do to your beer? You know, you you as a brewer, like, you got a brand new malt. Give us a story of maybe the the, the recent Valley beer or the, or the Say No More, perhaps. Yeah, sure. So for me, mostly I work with Dennis on a lot of raw grains and on, on lighter lighter kiln malts. So um, we we use a lot of Germantown pills and, and recently a lot of, uh, I guess, would you call it pills malt too on the six row, Dennis, or pale malt six row? So that that was also lightly kilned, the six row, yep. Yeah, so both are, you know, biscuity, cracker jacky, almost sort of peanut buttery sometimes. Um, and they had just a really, like, unique um, kind of multidimensional grain flavor to our beer. We don't brew a ton of dark beer. Say No More is one of the few. And I, I got to say, that's not a Dennis's dark malts in there. Those are those are German, I think, uh, kiln malts. But but when we are using working with Dennis, it's it's a matter of creating kind of like a a base, uh, a reliable, clean base for our beers. Um, particularly something like Valley Beer, which is exclusively a New York beer. Um, there's no hops in it. There's only our yeast from our barrels and and Dennis's malt and our our water and beacon. So there's no there's no hops. No hopping. No, it's a it's definitely a malt and yeast and I think oak barrel kind of showcase. So when I work with Dennis's malt, I'm I'm generally thinking of like simplicity, you know. Um, so in beer in general, I think there's like a a trend, a tendency, and an excitement to like go as far reaching as possible. You know, like we've all had, we've all had or seen some of my beers that are, they have like 15 different ingredients in them. You know, there's uh, blueberry and pineapple and hibiscus and things from all over the world a lot of the time. Um, for something like Valley Beer, it's, it's nuanced and understated. And because of that, it relies on like multiple steps of what I, what I would call like craft you know in, in a serious way and not necessarily like just piled on flavors right these are dennis's malt has to be done really well in order for valley beer to exist um and you know dennis has been at this for 10 years now and year two or three i was like oh, i don't know if i like this malt you know and we all and i didn't like some of the beers we made too but um in the years that we've all been working on this, we've been able to develop these these skills and crafts to make a beer like Valley Beer able to exist. So now when I use Dennis's malt, it's like super reliable, beautiful, and contributes the flavor that I need in that process every time. Um, and you know, the the thing that I find the most like kind of pleasure in in that is that the, the production of Valley beer is beyond just Hudson Valley brewery, you know, and the more I can reflect on that and the more I can like tell that story, the more the Hudson Valley agricultural world comes into like a fuller picture for people. So when we're sitting down at the tasting room in, in the brewery and somebody orders Valley beer and we can tell them a story like this one, you know, of not only local production from you know, seed literally to, to bottle cap. Um, but also in transportation, it's like you can use the beer, you know, just to kind of imagine a, a fuller picture, a fuller world of, of this production. And so, wow. yeah, I've always kind of like dug beer for that. And in, in thinking of like, when you, when we are drinking these beers in a, in a careful and kind of creative way, and we're like thinking about what they taste like, and we're trying to come up with like, these like memories of of what flavor you're tasting you know it's, it's this way of for me always using what is generally a fun drinking experience to kind of like uh you know think a little bit sometimes and when you can when you can paint a picture that's that's kind of as pretty as this one we're describing today it's uh no it's, it's amazing it's like, i want to get to sam because sam's kind of the outsider of beer 
Sam, did, did you realize when you started this that eight, 10 years ago, there wasn't any local malt in your region? This, uh, this is a I, new I wish thing. I could say I knew that, but I, I, I won't <laughs> claim any, uh, uh, you know, the, the, honestly, um, my appreciation of beer uh, has, has grown tremendously in the last couple of years uh, through working with people like Michael and Dennis and Jeanette. Um, I, I think, um, like a lot of people, probably I sort of just approached beer as like, you know, it means it's the end of the day. <laughs> um, I never really thought a lot about where the ingredients, uh, came from. Uh, and, and these days living in the Hudson Valley, it's, it's hard not to have the opposite experience. Right. Because I mean, we are just surrounded by really clever, um, breweries everywhere doing really interesting things. And, uh, when I started trying to figure out how we can be part of a sustainable supply chain, uh, it's, it's like with breweries, the, the options are endless. Um, it's all, it's all really interesting. Um, and it's, it's, uh, one thing that Jeanette said that, that I just wanted to sort of like highlight is, uh, this like cooperative kind of like mentality, but I will say that, you know, part of what we want to do is work with a lot of different breweries. Right. And I was nervous at first that it would be like some, I don't know, you know, how are they going to get along with each other? And every brewer we talk to is so excited to hear we're working with other breweries, right? It's like the least exclusive thing. It's like everyone wants to be working with each other and the, the space for collaboration and the space for uh, working together is, is really, um, it's really been uh, inspiring to me, honestly. And it's, it's like how I try to connect a lot of other things in my life. And I had no sense of this in the, in the brewery world at all until, until I sort of got into it uh, through Dennis. Wow. And then back to Dennis. So we're going to wrap it up with you as a pioneer. I mean, from just talking to you, you know, craft mall is kind of coming into its own now, but not too long ago, some brewers dissed it. What yeah. kept you going and how did you make this work? Because some malt houses went out of business. A lot of breweries were not, they were turning their nose up at the local malt for at least the first few years, right? Well, we had a learning curve, right? Like, you know, ask any brewer, do you think the first beer they ever made was the best they ever did? Um, they get it. They understand we had a learning curve. We, you know, we had to figure out, like Mike said, he wasn't sure if he liked it, but you know, he, he gave us a shot, right? And that's all we need because we are nothing. We are nothing without commitments from people like Mike and Hudson Valley Brewery. Okay. And we are nothing at, at Hudson Valley Malt. We are nothing without the ones that are on the top that, that are on a supply chain, the first people, and those are our growers. So Jeanette and I are in the middle. We need wonderful support from our brewers and we need growers that'll, that'll put it together. So, so, um, yeah, so there was a learning curve for us. How do we make the finest malt? Well, have you ever heard the saying, you can't make chicken soup out of chicken shit. So, so, so right. No, so we no needed, I never did. Okay. So, so good in equals good it was out. Chicken, I thought it was chicken wings or something. Yeah. So we, we, if you think Back about home. when Back I said, home, kid. <laughs> when I said there was no malt, there's been malt, but there were no growers here in the Hudson Valley growing Hudson Valley barley in 2014. Jeanette and I remedied that. So now we've got growers and, and we've got the growers because I have support from people like Mike at Hudson Valley Malt. And I can go back to a grower, a 70 year old grower. I can go to him and say, can you plant an extra 40 acres for me this year? And he looks at me and he goes, really? And it is so cool for me to look back at him and say, really we have we have gone from making 500 we couldn't sell 500 pounds in 2000 we couldn't sell 500 pounds a month in 2015 right and 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 so it it was a struggle but we you know i mean sam you know what it's like right you were standing in my malt house and i wasn't really on board you, you have a passion for what you do and like sometimes i kick myself thinking why why was i such a jackass why didn't i say yes right away but but, you know, now I feel that what we're part of here is with people like Mike Ranganesi and Hudson Valley Brewery, people like him that support what we're doing. Now I can go back to that grower and I can ask him to grow 30 or 40 more acres. I mean, last year we bought a million pounds of barley. Are you kidding me? I would have never thought of that. This year we're buying 1.2 million pounds wow. of barley from growers that were not growing this in 2015. And then I got a guy like Sam who is passionate about what he does and he wants to haul our malt up and down the Hudson river to, to serve 
you know, Hudson River town breweries, you know, from here, a hundred miles away. And I've got colleagues in, in the Pacific Northwest saying, you know, saying to me, it's amazing that you guys are shipping your malt on a sailboat. It's just, it's just, it's so cool, you know, to be part of this world yes. right now, you know. In 2021, how many pounds of malt went down the river on the schooner Apollonia? Oh, Sam knows that better than me. Sam, what was it? We we were, uh, somehow we were uh, just short of 34,000 pounds. It was like, it was actually 33,000, like 900 something. So we, you know, I think it's safe to say 34,000, but, uh, but you know, I, I don't want to misrepresent anything. <laughs> so <And> Sam, <laughs> outside of malt and the beer you got to drink, what was your funnest cargo? Cause you had some pretty cool projects. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, it's hard to say what's, uh, well, you know what? I ask, I guess I can answer that. Like I love making deliveries to breweries. Um, so, uh, but, but we did one run where we brought pumpkins down to, um, kids in New York city. And I will say, uh, watching kids get excited to get a pumpkin off the sailboat. <laughs> that was, it was awesome. I mean, they were just like at the side of the dock, like couldn't believe that we'd sail these pumpkins down. And, uh, and that, that was probably in terms of engaging directly with people. Um, it's hard, it was hard to beat, uh, the pumpkins going straight to kids in Manhattan, um, and being able to, but, but what's interesting that's, is it's, that's so similar to this, right? Cause again, we're telling stories of farmers delivering, um, products to someone and giving them a connection to the Hudson Valley. And whether it's a kid, you know, going to carve a jack-o'-lantern or, um, it's someone getting a delicious beer at their, uh, local brewery in Beacon, it's, it's all kind of fits into the same model in my head. Well, I'll tell you, but with just Dennis and, and Sam alone, I'm never going to get tired about talking about Hudson Valley sail freight and local malt because every time I talk to you guys, there's, there's more stories. And then Dennis, last story. <laughs> okay. Those early hard days, besides the fact that no one wanted to buy local malt. Right. How did you get the farmers on board way back when? I felt, I felt like I was going out and selling Bibles. You know, I would go, <laughs> I, you know, and, uh, I, I would go to a farm. Isn't I already got one or I don't need one? <laughs> uh, well, you got to think the average age of a grower is 60, you know, 62 years old. That's my age, right? So here I go to them talking about, hey, you know, we're here in the Hudson Valley. We're 90 minutes from Times Square, right? Uh, I did the math. From Albany, New York to New York City, there's 12 million New Yorkers, right? Six out of 10 of those people say that it's important to them to know what is in what they put in their body okay so i i just believe in numbers i believe where we are and i know that if you're going to climb a mountain which i felt we were that everybody has to start at the bottom right and a lot of times it felt like we were pushing a rock up a hill but i just either i was dumber than a rock or just we just kept going at it until we started getting support and what's great about brewers like Mike and all his colleagues that are making beer here is they're like a fraternity. And and the, uh, Jeanette and I, of course, we came from the corporate world. And so here we are now older in life. But, you know, we were in cutthroat. We, we, I would never have lunch with a competitor and explain to him my process before <laughs> – before I, when I, when I was, you know, in, in the corporate world and I see these young brewers sharing, you know, sharing their process, collaborating. I said, this is what I love. This is what I want to be a part of. And then they, they would spread the word. They'd say, Hey, you know, these guys up there in Germantown, they're making some great stuff. So our business grew from people like Mike that are out there that have their friends in other breweries. They work together and our business grew by word of mouth from like-minded people like Mike that that you know, that had a mission to make beers using local grains and then so seven eight years ago some of those farmers were willing to dip their toes in the water for you yes. what was a typical planting that 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 you were asking them to do okay so 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 back then i was scared shitless i was like uh you know they would like i couldn't sell 500 pounds a month and i had to make big commitments to them um, for, for at least a thousand bushels with 30 acres. Right. Um, so I, you know, I would make commitments, but I, I'd find out basically that, um, it really was a struggle to get quality barley and, and to have the help of Cornell university and the Cornell cooperative extension 
that will go in the field with me and speak with the growers and explain to the growers, hey, don't buy this seed that the seed company's offering you. We've done trials. That doesn't work. So, I mean, to educate them, go to the grain classes, all of the stuff that, you know, Jeanette and I sat through and learned about, about grains and to have university like Hartwick and the labs there that, um, that actually um, ad offer advice and guidance to growers as well as um, malt houses like us that really, you know, helped us grow. So um, I would say, you know, if I, they say never look back unless you want to see how far you've come, right, Jimmy? <laughs> so, so I try not to look back, but, you know, sometimes I go, wow, I can't believe it. Sometimes I look at this, at the kiln we have, and we were making, you know, 500 pound batches there, you know, and, you know, now we're making 5,000 pound batches. So, and, and, and nothing stays on shelves here. It's just, thank God for people like Mike, when we make this malt, when you rake this malt, when you kiln this malt, it comes out of the kiln, it's cleaned, it's bagged. Sometimes it palletizes and goes down the road and it's still warm. And, and we're so fortunate. Um, and, you know, I guess you can kind of tell I'm excited that I, that I, uh, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And do you drink more beer now, Dennis? Well, I'm, I'm sitting here right now. And, uh, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to finish off this, <laughs> this Valley beer and get something to eat. All right. Well, guys, thanks so much for joining me. And uh, Mike from uh, Hudson Valley Brewery, so great to talk to you. I, I, you we, too, we talked way back in 2015, the new primitives. Again Hudson Valley, we're all going to get together again. And um, Sam, when's the first voyage to uh, New York City? Uh, it'll be in May. We will start in May and we'll be delivering uh, monthly throughout uh, until October. Well, you guys are great, man. Jeanette, uh, Dennis, Sam, and Mike, thanks so much for joining me here on Heritage Radio Network. Big shout out to our engineer, Armin, who's going to help make this sound really great as it, as it should. Uh, I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host. Let's catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.